The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today. You are tuned to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and where we invite you to awaken to your inner divinity. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. Hi, Terry. And today, hi, Tom, (laughs) we are returning to one of our most popular subjects, the human aura. Ah, yes. I know we've talked about this a lot, but it's something we feel bears repeating, and we hope you agree. Well, we do. Everything we share is done with the intention to impart useful, practical information, information your heart, mind, and soul are perhaps waiting to hear this very minute. And if you've been listening to our program for any length of time, you know that we've built it around four key questions that help to define any spiritual path you may choose. And these four questions are, who am I, Mm -hmm. why am I here, where am I going, and how do I get there? And the teachings of the Ascended Masters are the thread that ties them all together for us. Today's focus on the human aura is an examination of one very important aspect of who you are. We begin with the premise that you are a <clears throat> excuse me, you are a being of light who is one with God and endowed with free will, which empowers you to literally create your world as you see fit. Yes, and as beings of light we have much in common. This is why the subject of auras is always such a fascinating topic. And I'm sure a lot of this interest stems from the fact that we each have an aura. And whether we know it or not, we are constantly engaging with the auras of others. Yeah. Have you ever noticed how you will often uh, have immediate feelings about people you've just met? You simply have a sense of knowing that, that kind of comes with, uh, you know, without prompting. Mm-hmm. You just automatically tune into another's vibe. Well, that's right. You know, you are reading the other person's aura. And here's one reason why. The aura is a garment that we each wear. It reflects the condition of our souls and our consciousness. And this is what we read in others. There's no rational way to explain it. We simply know what it is that we're picking up. We sense it. We feel it. Of course, this doesn't happen every time we meet someone. But I'll bet everyone listening today has had an experience like this. Well, sometimes the reaction is quite strong, maybe even alarming such as when you get a clear sense of danger or darkness from a certain individual. You don't know why, you just know it's there. There's a chill, a shadow, a sense of foreboding. And the same is true of feelings of kindness, well-being, and comfort emanating from someone you've just met. Again, you may not know why, but you just know that you're picking up these positive impressions, and they seem genuine. You know, of course, we should interject a word of caution here. Not all auras are what they seem. 
but more on that a bit later. For now, suffice it to say that consciously or unconsciously, we are reading the auras of others all the time, just as they are reading ours. The reason for this is simple. The aura is an energy field that surrounds us. In fact, it surrounds all life. Well, that's right. Scientists have conducted studies on this energy field and have postulated that this electromagnetic blueprint, or what they have called the life field, exists around every living thing on this planet, not just around people. And what's equally fascinating is that researchers have discovered that there is also an energy field emanating from the mind, mm-hmm. which we've, uh, which they've called a thought field or a T field that actually controls the energy in the life field or auric sheath. And this energy field uh, exists independently of the brain. If we ever needed proof that all life is connected, there you have it. Energy fields exist around every living thing on Earth, and they can be influenced by our minds. Now, here's the capper. Both the, both the thought field and the life field are influenced by greater electromagnetic fields of the universe. So, many forces beyond the limitations of our human mind are also in play. Cosmic forces. <laughs> Dare we say, Tom, God <laughs> oh. and God's light and God's energy? <laughs> well, sure, why not? <laughs> you know, we're using God's energy as it is, so why not acknowledge the true source? It's all about light. God's light, we all share it, and we are all constantly choosing how we will use it. And people cannot conceal what they are in the aura. They might be able to fool our outer minds, but the aura is a window into our soul and consciousness. Remember we said just a moment ago that we each read each other's auras constantly, getting and giving impressions without a word being spoken, and that some of these reads can give us a sense of the light or darkness in another's force field. Sure, and that's because our auras literally record moment by moment our every and very thoughts and feelings. Well, right, so our auras can be full of light or full of darkness. In essence, our aura is a chalice, a receptacle, that we have been given to contain God's light and energy, the very essence of God himself. Well, and there you have it. No wonder there's so much interest in the aura. And I'll bet you know what's coming next. (laughs) Favorite topic alert. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're about to segue once again into the subject of co-creation with God, aren't you, Tom? I can't help it, Terry. It's everywhere. (laughs) Let me put it this way. Through our very thoughts, words, and deeds, we put a certain spin on our auras, the result of which is the creation of light or darkness. In other words, what we create through using God's light and energy becomes part of us for good or ill. That part's up to us. And whatever we end up creating, we wear it like an overcoat. A coat that other people can read. In Mm -hmm. fact, there are even some people who claim that they can see the aura of others. Hmm. This sensitivity is especially prevalent in the consciousness of advanced souls, but it is also not uncommon to find this ability to see auras in young children, Mm -hmm. those innocent little ones who are the closest to God. All of the great saints and sages throughout history, those we know today as the Ascended Masters, have marvelous auras as do many we encounter in our daily lives who have kind, compassionate hearts and loving, forgiving natures. And let's not forget that in recent decades, science has found a way to capture the color, intensity, and motion of the human aura. Oh, yes, Curlian photography, otherwise known as electrophotography, which is a process that captures the phenomenon of electrical coronal discharges. (laughs) Say that fast three times. (laughs) Of course, the question is, is it real? Does it actually capture an image of the aura? There are esteemed scientists and researchers on both sides of the issue, which basically means that the jury is still out. Anyway, Curlian photography, though a very fascinating subject, is beyond the scope of today's program. Okay, within the scope of today's program, (laughs) it's time for our mid-segment 
recap. <laughs> we each have an aura, an energy field that is a receptacle for containing God's light and energy. Auras or life fields exist around every living thing on earth. Our human auras record minute by minute our thoughts and feelings, and the accumulation of these thoughts and feelings can be read by others, just as others can read this record in us. This record of our creations, good and bad, that have come into being by using God's energy is the window of our souls and consciousness. It is the greatest proof that we have free will and that we receive a certain portion of God's energy every day to use in whatever way we choose. Our aura says who we are as if it were shouted from the rooftops. All that we are, all that we've done, even what is coming next for us, it's all recorded in our aura. Because it contains God's essence, His light, it existed before we were born and will continue to exist after our physical death. Okay, so here's something to keep in mind as you go about your life. You are touching people with your aura. You are reaching them at levels beneath their conscious awareness, and your aura leaves a message about you and the quality of your consciousness. When you practice kindness, compassion, forgiveness, and gratitude, your aura glows in such a way that it attracts others to it. And this is a mark that you would want to leave on the world as you pass through it. That's right. It's your legacy, your gift to your brothers and sisters, and you will leave them better for it because you will have inspired them, or some of them at least, to emulate the glow that emanates from you. Of course, you want to expand and purify your aura for obvious personal reasons. But because we all read each other's auras, you'll be sharing yours whether you intend to or not. So why not make your light an example for others to appreciate and one which motivates them to follow your example? Well, that would certainly be good for your karmic balance, those treasures laid up in heaven, not to mention that it just feels good to do good. And the good you need not, and the good you do need not be dramatic. A good word and a kind gesture are often enough to change someone else's day, maybe even their lives. A good example is the best teacher. <laughs> That's it. Well <laughs> said, Terry. And the best teacher is the divine spark within each of us, that aspect of our higher selves that is always available to guide, guard, mentor, and teach us in the ways that we should go. Which is another way of saying that our auras reflect the degree to which we accept and submit to the guidance of our higher selves. The more we are aligned with our Christ selves, the brighter and more intense our auras will appear. Right. So those who understand the meaning of God, Christ, and life from a real standpoint will see that there is no difference between the divine nature of Jesus, for example, and the divine nature in themselves. They understand that there is no partiality in heaven. All can equate with the image of the beloved Son. The aura is our cloak of divine expression, and we would like to point out to all of you listening that there is an absolutely hmm. priceless book on the human aura that we highly recommend. That's right, Terry. Its title is The Human Aura, How to Activate and Energize Your Aura and Chakras by the Ascended Masters Kutumi and Dwal Kool. It's actually two books in one, and you'll find it on Amazon, of course. Of course. Again, the title is The Human Aura, and for anyone wishing to study and understand the aura in greater depth and detail, this book is indispensable. Are we getting close to a break? <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. It's time for us to take a brief time out, but please stay with us, because when we return, we will hear a special interview with Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the subject of the human aura. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. 
On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And welcome back, everyone. Thanks for staying with us. In the following interview, Elizabeth Clare Prophet speaks on the nature of the aura, why it is important for us to understand what it is and how it functions, and what Jesus and the Ascended Masters have to say about the aura. Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. You've got a book out on the human aura, and this is something on a lot of people's minds lately. I'm wondering if you could just tell us, what is the aura? Well, the book by Kathumi that is a series of letters dictated to his students throughout the world through Mark Prophet really goes into the aura in an exceptional way. What is the aura is something that we all want to know because really at sub-levels of awareness we all perceive the aura in one another. We're all reading each other and that reading is being translated to our conscious mind. When we have a sense about someone, that someone has a certain personality or a certain sense of danger about someone or an immediate affinity, we're contacting the aura. And the aura is that emanation. It's an energy field. It's a blueprint. And it exists before birth and after death. Now, Yale University has conducted studies on this. And they have postulated this non-physical matrix, this electronic blueprint or life field around every living thing on the planet, not just people, but animals and plants and even inorganic matter. And they call this an L field, capital L, L field. They say it exists then prior to the birth of a physical organism. And they have also discovered another energy field, which they have called a thought field, originating in the mind, which in turn controls the L field or the life field. So they say that the thought field exists independently of the physical brain, and both this T field and this L field are influenced by greater electromagnetic fields of the universe. Now when you start thinking about this, and this 
conception of the flow of life. It kind of breaks down our entire worldview, our concept of even theology, of science, and we begin to realize that there is a continuity of being that we have been divorced from by the way we view the universe in the West. Is this the same thing that's photographed in Curlian photography? Personally, when I see the aura, I see much more than what is being photographed. But certainly, Curlian photography substantiates a non-physical energy that we have not figured on scientifically before. There's no question that the great avatars have taught about the aura. Jesus said that the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? That statement really denotes a very mystical teaching. It cannot be understood from the word context themselves, but only in the light of energy and its qualification. In the concept of the eye being single, Jesus is talking about our attention. Where our attention rests, so will be the light of the body. If the eye is single or single-minded on God, on good, on developing the highest potential of being, then the body is full of light. But if the eye is evil, that is, if the eye descends out of that single-mindedness into the duality of a dual vision, which is seeing constantly the relativity of good and evil, then the body is full of darkness. Now that shows that we have an energy field, that that energy field can be full of light or it can be qualified as darkness. Now I have looked at the auras of people and I have seen them surrounded by literally a black energy. I've seen people who were filled with light. Their eyes reflected that light as well as their joy, their laughter, their communion with the bubbling brook of the Holy Spirit, if you will. I have seen the people who have this black energy around them, and I've seen their chakras emanating a darkness. And then when you see such people in a state of anger, the blackness becomes charged with a crimson-like lightning, which emanates from the mouth if they are verbalizing their anger, or it may emanate from the solar plexus right at the navel if that anger is coming forth in the feelings but is not being verbally expressed. But the aura records moment by moment by moment the feelings and the thoughts of an individual. So the conclusion of Jesus is, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? This is the enigma of Jesus' statement. How can light be darkness when they are opposite? And the answer is that light is another name for energy, and energy is another name for God. The aura, then, is a receptacle, if you will, which we have to contain God's light, God's energy, the very essence of God himself. We, then, through the thoughts of our heart, may put a force field on the aura creating greater light or creating darkness. The aura is the greatest proof that man has free will, 
that we have the gift of free will, that we have a certain portion of God's energy allotted to us daily that registers as the aura and that fills the aura, and we can choose whether we are going to make that aura be dark or light. As we are living in what would be considered quite a primitive era by some standards on other systems of worlds where our evolution on this earth does not readily perceive the aura with the eyes, and therefore we do not readily see what people in actuality are, we do not have the aura to bear witness, and we grope blindly, trusting people we shouldn't trust, and not realizing that even the coming of illness or death registers on the aura before it occurs. So this great science of the aura that we are coming into is really calculated to lift us out of the era when we have the blind leaders of the blind and people following whoever is smiling at them and whoever is saying nice words because people cannot conceal what they are in the aura. The aura is a giant mirror of the soul and of the consciousness. Does the aura ever lie? Well, the aura is like a garment that we wear and it is possible for people to completely conceal very dark modes of consciousness by putting over it a patine of great light and the manifestation of light. And Kathumi describes this in his Studies of the Human Aura, which is in our paperback book by that title. And he says that at various moments when individuals are off guard and they suddenly become enraged or irritated or challenged, that the aura will turn inside out and these dark manifestations hidden neatly between the folds of the garment will come to the surface. And I think that we find that this happens again and again, and we find that people are caught, and their own reality does come to the surface for judgment. And part of this is an activity of the soul itself. The soul is not content to be dwelling within a personality who is deceitful because the soul's basic orientation is to move toward the spirit of the living God. And therefore, the soul really does arrange for circumstances whereby we are exposed and we are betrayed or we betray ourselves. This is why many times criminals who commit the perfect crime will make an obvious mistake, because really at subconscious levels the soul wants to be caught, wants to be discovered, and wants to be brought to judgment so it can begin to atone for its sin or in Hindu terms, to balance that karma. And so we can hide for a little while certain emanations of our consciousness, but these are not hidden permanently because the law itself, the law of God, forces them to the surface for the cleansing. Does the knowledge of the aura have any practical uses? Well, I think the practical uses of the aura have to do with garnering an energy field of light. The aura, as I said, is described by Kathumi as a receptacle. It's an outer garment that we wear. In other words, our identity does not stop with our skin. And sometimes when people are in a certain light or in a certain frame of consciousness or very relaxed, they can look over at a friend and see a certain energy wavelength around the body. That is a force field that's right next to the body that has to do with a protective emanation of the soul. Now that is only the beginning. There are force fields beyond force fields that go out from that immediate energy field. And these force fields are interconnecting receptacles 
and we have the option by our free will to invoke the light of God and to fill the aura with more and more energy of the sacred fire and therefore to contain within these receptacles a greater concentration of what is called God's consciousness or the God consciousness or cosmic consciousness. Interpenetrating and working with the aura are the seven centers of awareness, the seven chakras. And these focuses of the sacred fire are literally points of God awareness that can be developed by meditation and by the science of the spoken word. The key center, as we have said, is the heart itself and the threefold flame within the heart. Meditating upon the heart and the threefold flame, using the violet flame invocations as we have given them, one begins to establish a momentum that builds day by day until the momentum is so great that it becomes as Jesus was. The woman who had the issue of blood for twelve years could merely touch the hem of his garment and be healed. The touching of the hem of the garment was not simply a physical touching of Jesus' robe, although it was enacted in that way. It was that the woman touched his aura, and by touching the aura and placing her attention upon it, she became like a siphon. She was empty, he was full. His aura immediately was transferred to hers and made her whole, and Jesus' comment was, I perceive that virtue hath gone out of me. Who touched me? Well, he knew who touched him, but he made the statement so that we could realize that healing occurs through a transfer of energy, and that if we would follow him all the way as he is the great example of our overcoming, we must also fill our auras with light and our chakras so that when people come in contact with us, we have a reservoir of energy that can be used. Having the aura filled with light is being ready to extend the cup of cold water in Christ's name. Thank you very much. Now, there's good advice, isn't there? Yes. Meditate upon the heart, use decrees and violet flame, and experience a magnificent expansion of your aura. <laughs> <laughs> well, up next, our weekly Q&A, and today, once again, we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. 
The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And we are indeed back. And joining us is our friend and resident font of insight, Sidney Bennett. Hi, Sid. <laughs> Gentlemen. Hi, Sid. You know, we were actually somewhat surprised at the level of interest people have in the subject of the aura. Any ideas why this is? Well, I think people are looking for something beyond themselves. And, it, you know, for those of us that may have grown up in a very traditional religious environment, you know, maybe we weren't so interested in the aura as we were about more aspects of God. But we have to remember there's a whole large group of people out there that are a little skeptical, shall we say, (laughs) (laughs) about what they hear in organized religion and so forth, in some cases justifiably so. But they are sensing that there's something more, and they want to know more. They want to be able to meld science and religion, if you will. And so I think there's an interest in the aura both from an esoteric uh, point of view, so to speak, but also from a somewhat of a scientific point of view. What does it truly reflect? Is it more of who we are? And it's it's interesting, but I think I want to put a word in here for our friends who are agnostics this day. Oh, good, yes. And, and yeah. that is to understand that these people, in many cases we've been taught, have had unfortunate experiences with organized religions in past lives, and so when they come back, they don't want any part of it. And so they become agnostics, and yet they're truly sons and daughters of God, and at some level, they really want to search and look. And so for them, this may be a way of getting to God, even though may not, they may not realize it, mm-hmm. but trying to understand more of who they are and an aura is, is something that, that I think people are interested in, quite frankly. Perhaps a bit more of a scientific approach. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, do you think people are drawn to the aura in the same way they're drawn to God? In fact, could... Could each search be driven by the same desire to know God? Well, it could. And I I think it's also important to understand here that God and his angels will lead us, you know, where we're most likely to follow, so to speak. In other Mm -hmm. words, what is the way that we're going to find the truth? What is the way up the mount that we're going to find God? And it's different for different people. Mm -hmm. And so I think they'll definitely use the interest in the aura as an entree for people. I want to mention one other thing here, and that, and Mrs. Prophet alluded to this in her uh, in our discussion a, minute, a few minutes ago, and that is that our soul we think of as perhaps as being silent uh, and being there, but do we really understand it? Our soul has a conscious awareness of who we are. It has awareness of all our past lives, mm-hmm. of our comings and goings, and our soul has a profound insight and understanding of where we need to go to get home. And the soul will be a go to us. And even as God <laughs> and the angels lead us, our soul cries out for us to move forward, to explore, to try and find the truth. Because our soul can never truly be free until we pursue God and pursue the path of enlightenment and our oneness with our holy Christ self. So there's a lot of things that are drawing people to the aura or religious subjects or anything else. And the important thing is to pay attention. What is the next step for you? And, you know, God loves the agnostic just as much as he loves those that aren't agnostic. But <laughs> yeah. nonetheless, an agnostic needs to take that step forward and be open so that God can teach them. You know, I'm really glad you focused on that point a moment ago about the soul having its own consciousness. Because, as I recall from the interview, she was talking about the the, the criminal 
who is attempting to to uh, do the, you know do the perfect crime. Right. Only the soul throws him under the bus. Exactly. Right? Makes an obvious mistake. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and you know I mean yeah. nurturing of our soul is so important. It's we can think of it as our inner child, but it's very important that we pay attention to our soul because it is so much a part of us, and we need to be at peace with our soul in order to get that ultimate reunion with God. Yeah, so. well, here's a question, maybe coming at this from a different angle. Um, we understand that one of the aspects of the aura is to provide protection for the soul. Does the aura itself need protection? Absolutely. We're a force field, and we're subject to the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, so to speak, <laughs> 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a planet where there's a lot going on. There's a lot of energies that are being thrown around that we can't necessarily see with our physical eyes, but they definitely impact mm-hmm. our aura and and our well-being. I mean, how many times have all of a sudden you felt a wave of maybe despondency or spirit come on you, and you don't even know where that came from? Yeah. It's coming from outside of you, and there are projections oh. on you all the time. And it, some of it is inadvertent. People are just thinking about things, and you pick into them. You're in a restaurant, and all of a sudden you decide you have to have a piece of apple pie, <laughs> and you look over in the next table, they've already got their pie, you know. So, <laughs> so in other words, that's a simplistic expression of what can happen. Mm-hmm. But we need to be aware again, of the equation on this planet, living in a physical body, that there are forces and energies, some benign, some not so benign, that assail us and assail our auras 24 hours a day. And the wise soul will recognize this and take those steps to protect their aura from energies or vibrations they really don't want in there. Because if you don't do that, they're going to come and hit you. And it's not just individuals' thoughts. There's actually what we call mass grids of force field that float around this planet. And it can be one, a mass grid and force field of anger. It can be, you know, things that, that aren't individuals, but they're energies. And we need to be able to protect our auras, protect our souls from these energies that should not be upon us, but unless we do something, they are. You know, you just mentioned something I think we've all experienced. That is, you ask our friend a question, were your ears burning? Uh-huh. You know, when you know somebody's thinking about you, you yeah. know when there's energy directed at you, benign or otherwise. Exactly. So interesting. Exactly. Well, you know, we've all known moments when we've experienced a certain glow in, in moments of intense happiness or victory, for example. We can feel it, you know, that glow of satisfaction, accomplishment, and joy. Is there an ebb and flow in the manifestation of our aura, and, and how can we keep it light and bright? You know, our auras are like a 24-hour sound and light show. We only <laughs> knew it. Uh-huh. In other words, they're changing continually uh, or staying the same, depending on what we're doing. But in other words, uh-huh. it's 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 not necessarily a constant one to set of changes. So, yes, there are times when we feel the light in the presence of God. We feel uh, uh, something that is different from us, from coming within, that fills our aura. And it's a wonderful feeling. Mm-hmm. The feeling of light in your aura is is a joy and a blessing. And we determine to a large extent whether that occurs or not. And we learn to scientifically apply the use of energy. We've talked about the use of decrees, the science of the spoken word, and that will qualify and charge energy. And we determine what our auras look like. For many of us people on this planet, you know, we're just knocked back and forth. And they don't recognize that they need to take accountability for what's in their aura, for not only generating the light 
and what they want to come forth as co-creators with God, but again, as I mentioned before, to protect themselves from these manifestations that are coming without. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we can feel it sometimes when darkness comes on us, just as we can feel it when light comes on us. Uh-huh. Well, here's a question, and I think that maybe you have to uh, tap into your past life experience for this one. But another <laughs> common experience of the glow that certain people exhibit is the glow of a mother-to-be. Uh, how much of this do you think is attributable to the incoming soul? Well, a lot. And I think the reason is you've got souls coming forth in the purity of God. And the light that they bring in their causal body and their auras as they are attaching themselves to the physical form in the mother's womb does bring great light. And and it can be, uh, we can see it in the faces of mothers and and, and those that, that hold light in great joy. And so we understand there's something else going on here than just, you know, the physical universe. And mm-hmm. I think when we recognize that, it can be a first step to knowing we can do something about it as well. Well, one of the reasons I ask that is probably obvious, and that is that you know, speaking to the physicians out there who might be those who, who assist abortion, um, if you could experience the, that soul's glow, that, that incoming life that is in aborting in the womb, I think it would change everything. It would, in an understanding of the evolution of the soul. I know there's a, a woman that's been a member of, of our organization for many years, and before she got into it, she was pregnant at one time, and she was going to have an abortion. And she said she was going to ever where this was. And she said she heard a voice so loud and clear, don't you abort me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And it was so clear that she didn't do it. And, of course, <laughs> came forth and has been a beautiful son for her. But it is an understanding that the consciousness of the child um, is there. It's real. It's not just, as they call it, like to call it the product of conception. It's a soul with a divine mission and a divine plan. And if we allow that light to come forth, not only will that soul be blessed, but all those around them will be blessed as well. Gosh, and imagine the the rents and the tears and the aura of those uh, who have chosen to abort, you know, that incoming soul. I know. And if, if you have done that, know that there is forgiveness and there is healing. But again, it's not just thinking about it. It's going forth and taking action to balance that karma, to sponsor life in some form, whether in a physical child or in any other way, because the karma can be balanced, and we can make a difference. Yeah, yeah. well, thank yeah. you. Let's talk a little bit about the color, or the aspect of the color in the aura. We've heard it said that color uh, both reflects and amplifies consciousness. So how does color amplify consciousness? Well, you know, there's different shades of God. I don't know how to express it. That's yeah. good. I like that. We hear, we, we hear people that go over a near-death experience. They say, I saw the most beautiful things and the colors weren't exactly like we saw, you know, on, on Earth. Right. But nevertheless, colors have power, you know, and looking at certain colors affect us in a certain way. Looking at red and black will affect us generally in a negative way. Uh-huh. Looking at some of the pastels will illuminate us and bring us forth, where there's the blue of power, the pink of love, the yellow of wisdom. <coughs> so again, our auras will reflect those energies that we have, that we call forth. If we're doing a blue decree to Archangel Michael, we'll have blue in our aura, or the mm-hmm. violet flame. So in that sense, the color will amplify itself because it has qualities in and of itself. And if we allow this darkness or this blackness to come into our auras, it also affects us, although instead of raising it up, it pulls us down. Mm-hmm. Boy, color is different shades of God. I, that was that was brilliant. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, on previous occasions, we've spoken of the threefold flame and the fact that it is possible to lose this flame, well, for example, through excessive or violent emotion. Is it also possible to lose our aura? Well, I think as long as there is there is life, there's an energy field there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be an energy field absent of God. And so if we lose our threefold flame, 
then it doesn't inform or illumine, shall we say, our aura with that light. So even though there may be an auric force field there, it can be absent the light and presence of God. So mm-hmm. the most important thing is to nurture that threefold flame in your heart. And, the, of course, the aura is a reflection of who you are and the light that you carry. And so we affect our aura. We can change our aura. We can charge it with light, with God's light. It's all up to us. So the aura is more of a reflection than exactly who we are. So we could lose the quality of the aura, not really lose it. Yeah, but, I mean, who wants a force field of darkness around us? You know, I mean, remember Jesus talked about the empty sepulchers of the yeah. uh, of the, the Pharisees, whoever they were, and they were, they were empty because Living the dead. threefold flame wasn't there. But I can assure you there was something in the aura, and it wasn't light. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, assuming that the aura cannot lie, could accurately reading auras become a foolproof and painless means of truth detection? Oh, oh, oh. It would not change things. I was mentioning to Tom before the show that in the etheric realm, (laughs) where we all aspire to go to after we leave this plane, Uh you know, there are no private thoughts. Everything is seen. So every thought you have is seen by everyone else. So there's no hiding things. You know, (laughs) truth is, truth is evident. You know, Um, I don't know what it'd be like on planet Earth if we had that. Oh my gosh. But, but certainly, uh, the aura can be a means of determining that. But, you know, how do you measure that and so forth? And, and we also have to remember that the fallen angels have tricks to masquerade their auras. And, you know, for example, we may, these movie stars, we say they have a lot of glamour about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't say they have a lot of light. They have a lot of glamour, which is something very different. And we need to understand the difference in evaluating the true nature of the soul. This kind of a veneer. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, this subject is somewhat akin to health professionals learning to read the aura to detect the onset of disease. Um, you know, I think Mother even said um, the possibility of detecting the in, impending death. Well, again, um, right. you, information, is, can, if it's used properly, can be extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that any of this is the end-all and be-all, but everything that helps us to understand who we are and where we're going and what we need to do are tools that God can give us can be very helpful. But it's not an end to itself. That's a really good advice. And on that note, we've got to take a break. But we will be back for more with Sid Bennett on the various fascinating dimensions of the human aura. Don't go away. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. 
For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And welcome back, everybody. We're here for more discussion with Sidney Bennett on the nature and spiritual dimensions of a human aura. Terry, you had a question. I do. I do. We've heard it said that knowledge is power. Can perceiving the aura in detail in another be a bit like eavesdropping? I mean, uh, we may be able to read another's intimate thoughts and feelings, and could that be a way of exerting power over them and unwelcome manipulation of their of their inner being and privacy? In other words, is there an ethical dilemma here? How how can we how can we work around that? Well, I think we have to remember that some of these. Um, I'll call them powers. I don't know what else to call them exactly. The ability to do that, to read people's thoughts and so forth. Yeah. They can be developed without God. In fact, many, there are many black magicians and fallen angels that have that ability and they use it against us, quite frankly. And they will seek to manipulate our thoughts and, um, try to get to do things that, that, uh, we don't really want to do and mm-hmm. intrude upon us. And so there is a mastery of the aura and part of that is protecting it from prying eyes, so to speak, or people that come with motives that are less than pure. And, of course, you can do that by invoking the tube of light uh, uh, and keeping that force field of protection by Archangel Michael around you. And so this is part of mastery. You know how there's a couple of places in the Bible where Jesus just sort of disappeared from view? Right. Well, I don't think he physically disappeared. I think he had a, what would be called a cloak of visibility around him so that people just didn't see him. In other words, he protected his aura and his person from being, you know, cast over the cliff or whatever mm-hmm. by people not being able to see him. So as we develop a spiritual sense, we do need protection for our auras. And again, that's where the science of the spoken word, the tube of light that we invoke every single day, the protection of Archangel Michael become absolutely key. We need to develop a mastery to protect our force field of light that God has given us. So that's one side of that question. The other side is God does give certain people of advanced spiritual uh, development the ability to see auras, to read thoughts, and so forth. And it's only at a certain uh, when you reach a certain level of attainment. This is not something we seek in of itself, other than it comes with our spiritual growth. But for example, Mark Prophet talked about the fact he, his third eye was open; he could see people's auras, he could read their thoughts, he knew their past lives. <laughs> and sometimes he would ask that to be turned off. Literally, <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't want to see that sometimes. <laughs> and you can see, in some ways, it would be a burden to see all that time. Yeah. And then one other thing, I'll just kind of a humorous side of this is Mark Prophet again was subject to to some of these negative energies directed against him because he was a being of such spiritual light. And so he would invoke what's called a, a cloak of invisibility. And he tells a funny story. We'd go to a restaurant and they'd get seated at a table and the waitress would never come over <laughs> and because he had forgot to have it taken off, so to speak. So you know it's an understanding of Shield the proper down. use right. of energy. Yeah. Yeah. And to realize there are forces out there that we need to be protected from and that's why God has given us the tools to do so. And then we're free to experience God, free to grow in God, free to service in God, and not be subject to these constant attacks, which we are if we don't take a stand and say, look, I am going to be responsible for what's in my aura. 
I'm going to be responsible for what is sent at me, not become a, I'm tired of being a victim. I'm going to use the tools of God, which mm-hmm. the science of the spoken word is the prime one we've given to protect my force field and being. But you know what? Just knowing about that isn't enough. You know, if you're hearing these words, try them. See what happens in your world mm-hmm. when you invoke the spiritual light and protection and see what's different. And believe me, once you go there, you won't, won't ever want to go back to being subject to all these energies and forces and vibrations, some that are not of the light, not of the God, that are being hurled at us 24 hours a day. Right. And, 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 you know, there again, I, I think of the visualization of being uh, like a candle down, down in a uh, milk bottle, a clear glass milk bottle, being dipped into a pan of water. You are protected. You know, and, and just to mention to our listeners, if you're looking, well, where do I start? If you go to our website, um, tsl.org, and put in the heart, head, and hand decrees, this says it all. That gives you the protection, the violet flame, everything you need to gain mastery. And they take what eight or nine minutes to give something nine, like nine that. Nine minutes doing three, three at a time. Yeah, and yeah. so but start somewhere. You know, start to experiment with mastery and changing who you are and what you experience by your free will. You are a co-creator with God, but to be a co-creator. And be one that's effective, you need to know what you're creating. And again, not just to go from day to day, whether it's work or go to a movie or out to dinner. I mean, these are human activities. They're not bad in of themselves, but they're losing the opportunity of this magnificent energy we have throwing through our chakras and our aura to qualify it in a positive way for ourselves, our families, our friends, and our planet. You know, think about it. We control the manifestation of God on this planet to the extent that we control the energy he gives us and how we qualify it. Mm-hmm. It's a high and holy calling if we'll accept it. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not wanting to play stump the reverend here, but uh, <laughs> one of one of the uh, questions that Doug Kenyon asked um, Mrs. Prophet was, can the aura lie? Now, maybe there's no answer to this question, but I want to ask it anyway if you have an opinion about can the aura lie? Well, I, again, I'll go back to I think what she said very clearly is that ultimately, no, it can't lie. But there are techniques to manipulate energy, you know, and I mentioned the movie stars, quote unquote, they have a glamour. Some of these, and, you know, I'm not naming names and not all of them, obviously, but our fallen angels, they had a lot of light when they fell. Mm-hmm. And so this light has been misqualified, it's left with them, but it manifests as glamour. And some people are very attracted to glamour. I mean, you look at, you know, the falling around of celebrities and what they do and what they say, ad nauseum. Why do people do that? They're somehow magnetized to a glamour that's there. It's not the light of God. It's the perversion of the light of God. Yeah. So we need to focus on those that tr- carry true light and emulate them and not some of these uh, well, movie stars. If if they can right. apply a, a layer of glamour, I, I think if we have the proper discernment and attainment, we should be able to see through that, right? Well, we can. And, you know, we don't go around making judgments on people all the time. I mean, that's up to God. But God expects us to have discernment and not go where angels fear to tread, so forth, and not to give the light and energy that God gives us to those that are going to misappropriate and misuse it. We're always there to help a soul in need. But know that the fallen ones also try and trick us out of our light, and they'll use sympathy and whatever ploys they can. So you need the discernment of God. Do I send forth my light in prayers now, or do I, you know, that's casting pearls before swine. So, you know, it's again, it's a sermon that you have to ask, ask God to help you with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got a couple of questions in a row here. First of all, how about the relationship of the aura and an individual's karma? And, and in our previous segment, we spoke of the threefold flame in the heart. Can you expand on the relationship of this flame in the heart and the aura? Okay. Well, again, remember the aura is, is a mirror. 
Okay. It's a mirror of consciousness. It can be a mirror of karma. It can be a mirror of whatever we are. It could be a mirror of, you know, these projections that are coming upon us, you know, that we allow into our force field. So it's going to reflect our karma because it's us and it's part of us. And it may, if we have a karmic disease, and we know Mrs. Prophet said diseases will manifest in the aura. It's like anything else. It's looking for the symptoms and the markers of it that we do in the physical level and our blood counts and so forth. Hmm, right. You can also do that in the aura. So again, it's a tool that can be very effective to be used if it's used properly. Mm-hmm. And again, the threefold flame, which is the light of God within our hearts, how we manifest that will be reflected in our aura. And you know, the aura, I, I want to mention, is not a static thing. It can grow and expand. I mean, Jesus' aura enveloped the entire planet. Yeah. You know, wow. ours may go six inches. This <laughs> went the entire planet. Close. So, so you can see it develops and grows with mastery. Right, right. So the relationship of the heart and the aura then would be something that we can manipulate to a degree. We change it. Why, why do, why are some people's auras filled with light and others not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's because of the light they've developed in their hearts, some of it consciously. Others, they just are so full of love, it has to manifest. Can we see our own aura? <laughs> you know, I'm looking right now. I can pull, pull up a mirror. Yeah. Well, as long as it's not looking in the mirror, because I don't necessarily want to see that. But you, you can feel when there's light or darkness in your aura, and you yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had an experience once when I was doing some inner child work where I saw two images of myself. And one was with the patine of this human consciousness and this burden I was carrying from occurrence in my childhood and youth. And the other was when I didn't have that on me. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you the difference is profound. And so this is why we work, to cleanse our aura, to do, to, to resolve our psychology, to balance our karma. We can change. We're not limited by where we are. You can change what you look like now today. And if you're invoking light and the following of the teachings of the masters and the spiritual path, you you won't want to shake your hand ten years from now. <laughs> yes. yeah. In one sense, you'll yeah. be so different. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to just mention something I just I thought of again an anecdote from my youth, and anybody who knows me now would probably question why I would be getting all the angel rolls when I was little. But I was the angel of peace, I think, in one of the um, <laughs> the um, Easter, you know, it's the Passion Play or something, uh, and I had the first lines. I'm standing there on stage. And my, my mind just went totally blank. And I'm supposed to say, I am the angel of peace. Pray with me. You'd think it would be easy to remember that. <laughs> well, but then I saw this glow around me. I literally saw the words to what I was supposed to say, just like they're projected on a, on a you know, like a wow. reader board or something. It's wow. pretty amazing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, you, you know, that just as an aside, you know, we're taught that when, you know, when children do a Christmas play or an Easter play or so forth, like if they're portraying uh, Mary or Joseph or the, the three wise men, the ascended masters of these beings will place their electronic presence over them. Oh. And they will be able to absorb that vibration of that master. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so there's a profound positive thing that comes out of these type of plays. And, of course, they don't do that in schools anymore. They were still doing Christmas plays when I went to elementary school. Yeah. But, of course, that's all gone. But that's why there's value in those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to go back to this notion of sensitivity that some claim to be able to see the aura of another. How can we trust that what they see is true or accurate? Is there some way to measure this? Well, you have to be careful because, you know, the masters have cautioned us from from psychic energy and going to people that are psychics. Now, a lot of these people may have the purest intention and be good people, mm-hmm. but they only see in part and not totally. So it can be very dangerous to get a so-called psychic reading. They might see something in your aura. They might see it, you know, inappropriately or accurately or not in a context with something else. So you have to be very careful here where you go. You know, God will show you what you need to know if you seek him 
And, uh, I'd be very careful about trusting other people. We don't, aren't, we don't go around saying, oh, you're, or has this in it or that, you know, it's just not <laughs> yeah. appropriate. That yeah. w- wouldn't be a friendly thing to do. No. Yes. Um, I'm curious about the aura and the halo. You know, we see these pictures of saints with the halos above their head, above, above the crown chakra. Um, is that a is that a depiction of somebody's idea of the aura? Or is it actually no? It's a, it's the crown chakra on the top. When it gets so developed in souls of light, there literally is a halo of light there. Mm-hmm. I mean, where would someone come up with that? You know, <laughs> obviously people have seen yeah. that. And experienced it, mm-hmm. and um, you know the aura. Everyone's aura is different depending on where they are. And the saints, of course, would have a very different aura from someone that has not pursued the spiritual path um, at all. So mm-hmm. it's very much a reflection of who we are. And I a moment ago I said, you know, Jesus' aura was larger than the planet. Yeah. So everybody's aura is different. You know, the stars differ in glory. Yeah. And so um, you can't really just make a statement of what it is and what it isn't totally. When we encounter someone with an aura that seems really out of whack, is there something we can do, you know, like a prayer or a call that can help them regain balance without them necessarily knowing it? You know, something. Well, I mean, obviously, if a person's need, you always ask, you know, if you can pray for them or help them any way. Yeah. But you can you can always make a prayer for somebody. But it's very important that you always adjudicate it according to God's will, because you never know what initiation or karma this person has to pass through to learn their lessons. We pray for people, we pray for mercy, and mercy comes. But we always say according to God's will, because we don't know what the divine plan or what God may be teaching them. And conversely, we don't know if this person, you know, is taking the light and going to misuse it as well. Yeah. But we pray for people. I mean, that's, that's, God has called us to do that. And we can help them, even though they may not be aware of it. You know what you can do is you can speak to the soul. I remember Mrs. Prophet giving a teaching once where this person had a child that was in dr- on drugs and the child would, you know, a teenager would have no, res- would not respond at all. She said, make a prayer to the soul of I this see. individual in the name of God to take a stand for life. Yeah. And of course you can do that in our levels and bring forth great blessing. All right. Well, that's a great note, I think, to uh, end our show today because another hour has vanished. Oh, it has. As they typically do. We've got to wrap it up. Sid, thank you very much, as always, for being here with us. And we want to thank you out there for joining us today. We hope you find the subjects we share illuminating and helpful as you pursue your spiritual path. And we always welcome your comments, questions, and concerns. Simply send them to us at webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. And please be sure to join us again. Please do. And remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out Out of of this this world. world. God bless you one and all. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.